0: Welcome back to following Know on, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 109, and we're doing chapters 25 through 28 of Rhythm of War. Less us show on this week from, from last week. We've got more Navani. Uh, we're back to, do, to some interesting Fabriel span read mechanics, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, and more Kaladin. So, uh, Elliot, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to talk you guys' ear off with some more engineering mansplaining later, so excited for that.
2: I'm looking forward to that. Paul? I'm also looking forward to that. I'm doing great. I will be talking everyone's ears off tonight with a ridiculous theory, which might not be ridiculous, but it might be ridiculous. It depends on probably what y'all say because you you usually have evidence either for or against everything I bring out which I didn't take into account before so we could stumble across a very good theory we could stumble across one that will be thwarted right away so I'm excited to either way so sounds
0: good do you have two words for this episode
2: I do my two words are caution and sphere Sphere caution. Elliot?
1: Salvation and triangulation.
0: I knew that was going to be one of your words. <laughs> All right, let's use these four words and talk about it. rhythm of war. All right, triangulation, the obvious one. I i don't know if I ever could have guessed one of your two words, but I could have that, that time. Go ahead, Elliot.
1: I, I did pick triangulation because of two things, actually. I can tie this to two things. The obvious one being when Navani is talking via Spanread to our mysterious person who doesn't like that she's capturing Spren, and they use a clever triangulation Method to try and locate where this person is at, and that's what I want to try and engineering explain a little bit on later. But also, as I was thinking about that, I was I was realizing Shalon is actually doing a somewhat similar thing in her situation as well. She's using a sort of triangulation method to try and ferret out the spy that is traveling with her. She's fed three bits of information out to the potential spies to see which one bounces back to her. And that will help her locate the spy that she's after. So, all of that is sort of triangulation. My second word is salvation, and I was trying—I was just trying to go for a, a word that sounded like triangulation, but I was also trying to tie it to this person that Navani is talking to on the span read. Whoever this is, and I have maybe some theories now. Whoever I had some theories before, I have more theories now. Whoever this person is, I think they're trying to, it, it's fairly obvious, they're trying to save the spren that Navani is, is capturing, but I'm talking too much on this now because we're going to get into it later. They're trying to save the like emotion spren that we thought before were just sort of like the animals of the spren world. Maybe that's not true. I, I want to see what you guys think on it now, but yeah, I'm talking too much on it now. So Paul, over to you.
3: Oh me, um, um, my words. I'm gonna start with caution. Um, caution
2: mostly um goes with our approach that Dallinar is needing to take regarding Taravangian. It's a weird. Everyone knows, but no one's really said a lot, I guess, regarding that conflict. At least to each other, it's it's somewhat of a weird scenario, and so. They're trying to move forward, but also be being caution, cautious of Taravangian, who's kind of behind them or in their midst, you know. Um,
3: and so it's just really weird. Um, and I had another really important reason as well. Oh, 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 yes. Um, with our span
2: read at the end, um, our, our, our crew, Yasna and crew... Or is it, is it Yasna who's talking, or is it Nabani? I'm so sorry. Um, in my head, it was Yasna the whole time, but that makes a lot of sense that it's Nabani as well. Um, they're trying to track whoever's on the other end of the span read, and it's an unknown rider, and so they're definitely approaching it with a lot of caution and trying to, to figure things out. So, My
3: other word, sphere. I'll talk more about that later. Okay. Sounds good. Chapter 25.
0: Kaladin and Teft are on a mission. What mission are they on?
1: They are trying to find the uncle of this girl who kind of wandered into Kaladin's clinic, right? Right. And we find out. at least I found out as we were going through this, that the the guy they're looking for, we saw him before. He was, he showed up in Hearthstone back before Kaladin even did. Chapter one. Yeah, chapter one of this book. Lirin is like accepting refugees into town, and they're kind of checking them in, like seeing what their wounds are. And I remembered it because the guy's missing an arm. And no like, remembers this, but then he, he remember in that first chapter, says, well, I can't really do anything for that. You don't need any help there, but could clearly tell he wasn't right in the head. And so sent him off to the Ardents to be put on suicide watch, basically. Yep. And here we find him again, basically in the same scenario. He doesn't appear to need any medical assistance, but clearly needs some psychological assistance. Because he's still in that state.
2: I had no... I did not put together... This was someone from our first chapter. Also, when you said chapter one, I thought like chapter one of The Way of Kings. And I was like, (laughs) no way. What the heck? Why is this person this important? Um, But I have to say, this is one of my... This might be my favorite chapter of of this episode. Um, I thought it was... Uh, we've rarely seen, uh, I I feel like in this chapter, Kaladin had taken some notes of the loyalness, but also annoyingness of Adolin. Whenever Kaladin was kind of kicked out of the army and Adolin was like, I don't really care what you want right now. Like we're going to be together and we're going to go do this kind of thing. And not, that's not always the best way to approach things, but, uh, a bit of that was encompassed by Kaladin in his approach with this gentleman, and he really like kind of makes a step towards helping this man. Um everything, which was honestly like really touching to me. Like I, I, I really enjoyed this chapter. Um and it was it was dark, it was it was a difficult one. Um but it was really cool to see Kaladin um step up in that way of support because that's not a way that I would ever expect him to really do a lot. We've seen him with bridge four. Like that's kind of his like element is caring for those guys. And I feel like this is kind of a uh I don't know, maybe a bigger
3: version of that within one person. So
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think this was the first chapter that we've seen Kaladin actually make some good headway. Towards his Windrunner oaths for the first time since he put down the sword, uh, I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. This man's on suicide watch; he needs protection. He can't protect himself, and Kaladin is finding ways to help him. I I do think this is right in line with his Windrunner oaths. Finally, of some like ser- being a surgeon's all well and good, but it, I don't. Elliot, you kind of mentioned this before that that's not really protecting as opposed to like caretaking. Like it's an interesting like nuance of definition there. But I do think actively attacking mental health and um looking for solutions there would would go under protecting those who can't protect themselves is how I interpreted it. So I I do think that this chapter is some good headway. And he by the end of the chapter he's he's saying Hey, I can, I can do something here. I'm going to be, I'm going to come back for the the rest of these guys in here. You're going to surrender this guy to me, and obviously, you're, you're. I mean, the Ardents are doing the best they can, but you, there needs to be different treatment for different mental illnesses. So,
1: yeah, I honestly didn't take too many notes from this chapter but i think that was just because there wasn't any big revelations or or nuggets of information take out of this but i i completely agree that this was a a very cool chapter to see caladin and teft go on this little mission and kind of what they discover about how the ardents are are treating the the mental health patients
2: and i i do still agree with you a lot there, Elliot, on like overall story significance, I don't expect this to be that big of a a deal right um it was just kind of neat to see or or specifically like the dialogue that they had I really like was really good um like that was just really really great um but overall like storyline affecting stuff, yeah, it probably wasn't a, a very notable chapter in the grand scheme. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, is this one of our heralds or something like that? You know. Uh I have no theory or to draw is from it. This. <laughs> <laughs> An excellent question. Um, I didn't know that he was from Hearth- like the guy like one of the guys in Hearthstone though, so that's kinda neat, but um but I guess we'll see if he ends up being import more important or not.
3: I like Trevor how you tied it into like Kaladin's Windrunner Oaths that that could be the
1: significance to the, the greater story of what we're seeing here is can Kaladin figure out how to be a windrunner not in the military? That this might be a step along that
3: journey. Yeah, absolutely. All right, back to Shadesmar.
0: This chapter, there's actually a lot in this chapter to to talk about. Where do you guys want to start?
1: I think we can probably start with The Cube. I, I don't know why, but for some reason, whenever I read about The Cube, I just hear like this ominous voice in my head,
0: The Cube. The Cube.
1: It, it's probably not as ominous of a thing as for some reason I've decided it is. But The Cube. Shalon is trying to figure out still who, who messed with the cube, right? We're assuming it's the spy that's with her, but she she discovered this, that that the, the cube that Marais gave her for her to communicate back to him with was moved in her box. And the assumption is that someone has used it or messed with it somehow. And... Shalon asks a, a very telling question of herself, Vale, and Radiant. They're, they're like, well, who could, have, who could have done this? Did we do this? And, and they can't even definitively answer whether or not they are the one that did it. And that they seem to come to the conclusion that Shallan, Vale, and Radiant did not do it. At least the three of them are claiming they didn't. But then they're like, but we we, we still could have done it that that right there is so telling of i think where shalon is at she doesn't even know if she might have other personas that could be acting against her or for her or without her knowledge in some way and the only name we have for this is formless she she's afraid of formless is kind of the name she's given to other personas in her that she doesn't really know about
0: so, I'm having a first experience on the podcast where I genuinely don't remember where this goes. Like, I I don't. So, I'm my theory that I've have been hesitant to share because it, this might be what happens in my subconscious that I don't remember, whatever. But I've, I was under the assumption that Shalon's the spy, like, n- not Shalon, but like another like a, another mm-hmm. persona of, in Shallan's body is the spy. But we're getting hints and drops that that might be the case of we're, we're contacting Moraes without Shalon Veil vale Radiant knowing and it's formless or whatever. And so I'm actually under the... I'm curious if you guys have experienced this in the past, that the more evidence you get for a theory, the more you don't think that's the case because you're reading a Brandon Sanderson book so we we, we are getting some of these hints that Shalon like the the body Shalon might be the spy but now I'm beginning to think, well wait if we're getting a bunch of hints towards that then now I don't think that anymore
1: I I definitely start to think a little too meta outside the the story than i probably should i start doing exactly that well i think my my theory is this but uh eh, brandon sanderson wouldn't have wrote it that way so i'm going to discount that theory because i'm going to second guess you know <laughs> myself in, in his writing i i don't know if that if i should be doing that or not maybe i should trust uh
3: my, myself in the story more than i do When it comes to figuring out who the spy is, whether it's a persona of Shallan or or
1: not, she does actually take a fairly creative—it's it's, veil vale really—comes up with a fairly good idea for how to figure out who the spy is, though, and and I like this card a lot. It was it was pretty clever. She has her three light weavers who she's brought with her. She has Vatha. She has ishna and she has barrel, right? Yep. And she's suspecting that one of those three is a spy. So she comes up with with a way to test them. It's actually quite ingenious. She feeds similar information to each one of them, but changes it slightly each time. And this is this is smart because if one of them reports it back to mraise and then if mraise mentions it to Shalon, then Shalon will know which one of the three it was. Now. Of course, that that may not happen that way, but it's at least a good shot. It's a good idea. And so I think she pulls it off fairly well of kind of dropping this tidbit. And and the bit of information she gives them is she mentions corrupted spren, Ja'anot's influence on the spren, but she mentions a different type of spren to each one. So similar information she knows is going to be of interest to the Ghostbloods, but she changes
3: it each time. So she's triangulating a little bit.
2: have a very minute comment um of something that stuck it really stuck out to me while I was listening in this chapter in twenty six. And this might we might I might share this and y'all are like okay cool and then move on. Or you might like it it has potential to rabbit trail. Um it reminded me because she's talking about these corrupted spren and a little bit of like I don't remember exactly, but she's talking about, like, watch out for a a corrupted spren or something that could be, like, a telltale sign of, like, trying to find the spy or whatnot. But they're on this ship, right? And they're in the middle of Shadesmar's oceans or whatever, which is kind of, like, apparently in the mountains on Roshar. Not Shadesmar, on Roshar. And it makes a uh, one-line comment.
3: That they see a shame spren in on on Roshar in the mountains. And she's just like, hmm,
2: that's weird. There's like no one in these mountains. And that made me think, who do we who who is in these mountains? Cause surely this isn't just like a, oh, like, hmm you know? This random shade's shame sprint in the mountains. Like, I was trying to figure out who might be in the mountains if we know anyone and what are they ashamed of (laughs) and why and stuff. So, my thought I didn't know if this was maybe Rock with his horn eater people. You know, he's gone back and maybe there's a lot of shame with him going home the way he is and stuff, or is it something that might show up later? Uh, My thought was. I thought I found a little rereader tidbit. Of like, we know of someone who's in the mountains, or you know someone who's in the mountains if you've read this, but you haven't. And then you read this again, and you're like, this, sh- this random shame-, shame spread that's not supposed to be here, that makes sense now. And I just wanted to share that, because I just thought way too much about it for no real reason. That
1: that's a really creative explanation for something I did not think anything about <laughs> that. It seemed like the, the simple explanation for that shame spread was, was just that who Shalon is talking to in the moment. I don't remember who it is. I think Ishna maybe it, that she was feeling shame and that it was like, Oh wow, she must really be feeling shameful if there's a shame spread showing up mm-hmm. here in the middle of nowhere. But, but trying to trace that shame spread back to why is it here in the, the mountains of Roshar? That's, I didn't know how to think about that, but that's very creative.
2: It, is, it, it was very, if I remember correctly, it was kind of specific in that, like, the shame sprint, it wasn't just like, a, oh, there's an intense amount of shame and it's drawn one from super far off. It's like, there was a shame sprint hanging out here. That's really weird. And it was a very one-line thing. And so I was like, oh, should I, I probably shouldn't even write it down and mention it. But I wrote it down because I was like, if there's anything that I've learned about Brandon Sanderson's writing, is there will be a tiny, tiny little one-of comment that ends up being something big, or or something bigger, you know? And I don't think this is going to be anything astounding, or anything at all. Like, I don't think it's going to be anything big. But I I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was kind of neat. And I'm in the the silly, goofy mood of crazy theories or or rabbit... Trails, which I'll I'll get us off this one, because it's not important. Uh, But I I have a bigger theory that's less a rabbit trail, more of a distinct theory to our story later, in our last couple chapters.
0: I, with my fuzzy memory of Rhythm of War, granted, I can't confirm or deny that that's a rereader easter egg, but... You did start spinning something in my head that you guys haven't read yet. But I'm I'm not even sure if I'm remembering it correctly, so I, I don't know if I don't know if that what, what that's gonna mean. So
1: Yeah. I'll go, just go ca- talk about go talk about it in our rhythm of war
0: Discord channel with all the other experts out I there. I will. I will go talk about it without you two and figure out if you're <laughs> onto something.
2: <laughs> if so, then I'm really proud of myself. If not, then it's just like okay. Well, it was fun to point out a little detail and and wonder, you know,
0: if you guys had to put money on who the spy is right now. Who is it? Barrel.
3: Okay.
2: This is a tough one. I, I'm honestly like. I feel like the big twist has to be Shalana's her own spy somehow. I I just feel like that has to be it. So if I really had to like pick something, I would say that. Um, it,
3: I think all four are plausible. Ishna wants to join the, the Ghostbloods.
1: So there's motive. Vafa is all dark and broody and, nah, I don't know, seems kind of fishy. Shalon is Shalon. We just talked about she, she's on the, the candidate list as well. But I have two reasons why I, I think it's Beryl. The first is there's a note, I think it might have been a few chapters ago, that Beryl came to the Lightweavers already with a spren and already knowing how to Lightweave. That alone marks her up as a little bit suspicious. I'm wondering if she was involved with the ghost bloods and that was how she learned all of that. Moraes made his comment that he said, "Oh yeah, I'm just I'm fascinated by light weavers." What if Beryl came from the ghost bloods and Moraes knows all about light weavers because he was with Beryl when she learned all of that stuff or he taught her all that stuff or or who knows, you know, sort of thing. That that kind of chalks her up. But the the really big piece of evidence for me is in this chapter. Beryl, it's kind of played off as maybe maybe she's doing this unintentionally, but I I start to wonder she knows how to disable Shalon. At least that's what happens in this scene. So Shalon is leading. Shalon is talking to Beryl. And the words that Beryl says poke, push all the wrong buttons for Shalon. The the story she tells of being able to, you know, shut down her past and become a new person, it it gets to the point where Shalon can't even continue. She has to retreat into you know the subconscious and let Radiant come out because Shalon can't take it anymore. It's kind of played off as Beryl's just telling her life story and 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 doesn't know. But I wonder, what if Beryl knows exactly what she's doing? What if Beryl knows this is going to push Shalon over the edge? This is going to shut her down because I'm poking at the trauma that's buried in her subconscious. That, for some reason, stuck out as suspicious to me.
3: I like that.
2: I do, too. But
3: I think that's what, like,
2: I feel like, I'm thinking through this as if I were watching it as a movie. It's like the person I most suspect, probably not the one, you know? And so I think it's going to be a twist. Um, and so I, it's Adeline. Be... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's wow. Maya. Okay. Oh, oh. my gosh. Adeline revives Maya, or er, er...
0: Maya's just no, been faking no. it the whole time. That's why she yeah. saves yeah. Adeline. And all the Spren are like, that's not a Deadeye. Your Deadeye can't do that. She's just been faking it the whole time.
2: Yeah, there we go. There
0: Maya, oh, has, Maya has Maya has a Deadeye skin over herself. I was Ooh. gonna say that Adolin has
2: light weaved a deadeye skin over Maya. <laughs> Ooh, okay. okay. So there we go. <laughs> um Wow. That'd be I I kind of want that to happen. I can't lie. Um <laughs> Wow uh but either way um <laughs> i just don't know anymore all good stuff
1: i want to mention one thing real quickly that we see on the ship it doesn't have to do with the, the spies or anything it actually has to do with the the spren themselves and and actually their like occupation so that they've they've hitched a ride on this barge a a merchant vessel the the question might come up, well, what is this merchant vessel shipping? And it, it turns out that we get to see them create their cargo as they go. They've apparently left their port, their home port, without any cargo. And as they go, they're taking the the beads, the the souls of things from the real world, and they're manifesting them in. Shadesmar, and those manifestations of the real objects in the physical realm those are what they're going to sell at their destination which is really interesting it, it kind of tells you about the the economy i guess that's going on here yeah it i i found it interesting and a little bit confusing actually because they're they're using Stormlight to do this. So it it costs them Stormlight, which we know is a really valuable resource in Shadesmar. So they're expending this resource to do this. And the manifestation, like for the example we get is a table. We watch the Spren manifest a table in Shadesmar and they're gonna go sell it at the the city they get to. That manifestation doesn't last forever. Yeah. It's eventually gonna go away. So they're gonna go to whatever city they're going to find a, a wealthy nobleman's spread, sell him this table. That's eventually going to poof into thin air on him. And I don't know, maybe that, maybe that's a, a good business to be in. Cause he's going to want another table in six months. But
2: <laughs> I was going to say as a consumer there, as the, <laughs> the other spread, like, I feel like it'd be very, very hard to trust anything you buy. Yeah. Or maybe you just think that's normal. Maybe you think oh, things just have a it. lifespan of like six months. Like, like uh my TV's about to expire. Like, gotta go <laughs> look for a new one.
1: Yeah, day in the life of a spren.
0: Where do we leave Shalon? She's all she's all shaken up and Radiant has been forced uh in, in control, so that's where we, we leave her at the end of the chapter there. Just wanted to highlight that going forward. shalon has been having a, a rough time of it lately.
1: And Radiant's kind of stuck doing a lot of the jobs she's not really comfortable with. Yep. You know, they're in the, the spot where they need the wordsmith Shalon or the spy Vale. And they're kind of stuck with the very straightforward soldier Radiant, who's not necessarily very good at being subtle.
0: All right, we get our first Navani point of view for, for part two here. She wishes goodbye to her family, to Dalinar and little Gav and Yasna, and they all jump through the Oath Gate. There's some awkward goodbyes. There's some tender goodbyes. Um, what you guys think of uh, this scene? Our, our Knights Radiant have left the tower.
2: It makes me worried that they might get into trouble because we know that the fused their hopes are to get rid of Dalinar and Yasna. Yep. So Hopefully this isn't a, a goodbye forever. On a scale
0: of 1 to 10 how uh how thick is Navani's plot armor?
2: Oh, Navani's plot armor. Navani's plot armor. Oh, um, oh, she could. We have to at least see what's her the, give. What's the fused plan?
1: Invade the tower and take control of the the power source, the pillar room.
0: Yeah. So what's happening across Roshar is a diversion. They're they're coming for the tower.
2: Yes, that one. Um. Navani's plot armor, she, as far as I know, she still has to write or give her like big presentation on Sprint to whatever that we've been seeing all these uh, excerpts about. We haven't even talked about chapters. the epigraphs
0: yet. Oh my goodness. We haven't. <laughs> oh my true. gosh. I finally forgot that's, to
2: prepare for that. That's, that's true. Sorry, but, keep going. But that will, I'm assuming that will have to happen before she gets dead. Um... But uh other than that, if that were have if that is happened words if that has hap- if that happens <laughs> then um then I would say her plot armor is not that 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 thick. I would
0: I'm under the assumption that, that lecture already happened. those epigraphs from part one that was like almost live like you know it was that weekend and it was just part of the lecture that she gave to the art of all around the world
2: maybe so And my i could be wrong but from what i remember reading on them it wasn't necessarily stuff that our characters knew right now or that i thought navani knew right now i could be wrong i'd have to honestly go look back and, and and think more closely um but in
3: my head it was something that was yet to happen navani's plot armor i did not
1: have her on my list of characters i was worried about but now that you mentioned this and you know she is one of our key characters being left in the tower that we know is about to get attacked so yeah i don't know she might be in some danger here for sure i i think again putting my Meta hat on, thinking you know, outside the the big picture here. I feel like the the whole fabriel thing is still going somewhere. I think that there's, I, we're, we're, I feel like we're building to something. She, they're making all these discoveries about you know how to manipulate Fabrials and Spren and Stormlight. I feel like all of that is going to build to something greater. They're going to unlock some abilities that are even more awesome than than what we've seen already. And Navani going to be really key in that. So to lose her would really hamstring that momentum, but maybe that could be intentional.
0: I was going to say, isn't that the point? Isn't that why they're coming for your to hamper this, the technology swing.
1: And that is Navani's what, the head of that. That is what the singers would want to do. I don't think it's what Brandon Sanderson would want to do. Right. Well, what I'm getting at. So I, I think her plot armor is thick enough.
0: Okay. Sorry, I'm distracted with epigraphs in my head, but we need to finish these two chapters, and then we'll talk about epigraphs, because there's some stuff to, to talk about. Navani and her Ardents, after they say goodbye to everybody, one of her Ardents comes over, and, and they're like, hey, we got a stone ward to open one of the locked rooms that we haven't been able to get into. And they walk in there, and there is a 15-foot floor-to-ceiling replica of the tower. And each floor, each window, is less than an inch high. If this gives you some scale in your head of how tall your Yurithiru is, floor to ceiling, 15 feet tall, and each floor of the tower is less than an inch tall.
2: That's pretty big. That's a huge
0: tower. Like, I don't know if I properly had a scale in my head for your Yurithiru until I read this chapter. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's so tall. What do you guys think of this uh, replica? Super cool. I feel like I would spend hours just like
1: studying this thing and and looking over the various parts of it. It makes me wonder what its purpose is. They even talk about it in this chapter a little bit. They're starting to wonder. Similar to, I think a theory I was spinning before on, I'm I'm wondering if the tower had more abilities than we even think if the pow- if I, I was theorizing before that, that perhaps when the when the tower is fully powered on that it can reconfigure itself that it can you know create passages and rooms where there weren't even any rooms before and it can adapt you know however it, however it sees fit and so the reason why you have dead ends and rooms that you can't get to are because the tower was kind of in the middle of all of that when it froze mm-hmm they talk about that a little bit. They seem to have found a door that wasn't a door and there's a gemstone there that seems like it might be powering it. So maybe it's like a room that only stone wards are supposed to get into or only certain people can get into, or it's just, you know, a special door that the tower can open for you. I'm also wondering if maybe this room is like some sort of control room for the tower. Maybe that the pillar Fabriel thing is kind of the, the power source. But maybe this is like the, hey, if, if you want to configure some rooms the way you want to, you go to this room and you somehow use this m- little model replica to cause that, perhaps. Or, or maybe
0: not. Who knows? But that was kind of what I was thinking. So this is what I would thought. I remember this. Well, the first time I, th- I read this. Do you remember Shalon at the beginning of Oathbringer? <sighs> she was trying to sketch the tower. And she can't. Oh yeah. And she's thinking to herself, is there some sort of like mental block here? Like deliberate, like I can't influence the tower in my head. I can't like comprehend this. What if the replica if you're in the replica room, you have the power to comprehend the whole tower. And that's and that's the um, sorry. That's the purpose like of the, the room. Pr- yeah, and so you can think about the tower as a unit, and because we know the cognitive realm is weird, and if you, so the where where my are you saying this is where my mind is, it's like lashings, right? If you if you lash at one object to the sky. It'll take the whole object, like, you don't have to do, like, the individual pieces of the table. You can just pick up the table, it's one table, it's one spren, and you lash it. And that's how the cognitive realm works. What if this replica tower room is so you can think of the tower as one unit, and then use your knight's nice radiant powers
2: from there? Are you guys trying- I'm doing a poor yes, job that makes this. sense. That, but, that makes sense, this last explanation, I think. Um... It's it's a visual guide. It's like a, the abbreviation, the um, the in summary, o- almost of the tower, not exactly, but it's just so you can like actually see it, right there. In a more manageable size than the enormity, the en- enormousness of the like actual tower, so you could I guess lash it or I don't know.
0: You can do X radiant power to the tower
2: yeah
1: pulling on the the cognitive realm string a little bit e- further even i'm thinking back to our our interlude with the Ardens who are studying the flame spren yep and how they they discover that <clears throat> when you when you observe something about the fr- flame spren that that impacts that has a that has an effect on the the flame itself and so what if the tower has like a defense mechanism where you can't observe certain things about it, yeah. So that you can't affect it via yep. the cognitive realm.
0: Thank you, but like what you're saying,
1: <laughs> that this room, this this replica, this model allows you to do that to be able to. It allows you per- to perceive the whole thing, so that you can affect it with with those
0: types of powers. Which is why it would be locked. Is what exactly. I'm trying to get to. So this gives you cognitive realm powers over the tower. Yeah, th- this room. That's where my mind went when I read this oh, for the first time. I
1: like
3: it.
0: There's a there there's a snide comment from I think Sabarial in this chapter. How long is it going to take for Tervingen to uh backstab them? What do you guys think?
2: In my head, I feel that Teraventian is kind of over the like backstabbiness, but that doesn't fully make sense at all. But just like in my head, I'm like, everyone knows he's not on their side. So like, what can he? What power does he really have anymore? And so I don't know. Maybe he has friends that we still don't know about. Maybe,
3: yeah, I <laughs>
2: Sorry. I'm assuming he has more tricks up his sleeve um, that we don't fully really know about. But as far as the timeline of when, I'm guessing at an important part in their
3: story. That's all I know. Just when think, things would be going well.
1: I think his plan A is to turn his army on Dalinar De- as soon as the battle engages. Battle starts. Oh, whoop. All of the, the Yakovetians. Yeah. yeah. What would be the the plural?
2: Vadens? Vaid, no. Yeah, Yak. Yeah. Is it Vadens? It is. Well, Vadenar
0: Vaidin, is the capital city of Yarkavad.
1: All of Terevanjian's army, I'll refer to them <laughs> that way. As soon as the battle starts, oh look, Terevanjian's army turns, they're fighting for the other people. I'm still clinging to a little nugget of... Terevangian has dismissed his test administer. The guy who does his checks on him, you're smart enough or stupid enough to make decisions, or you're too smart or you're too too dumb, we're going to lock you in a room, you don't get to do anything today. That guy is not around anymore. So I still think something is going to happen. Either they're going to walk on the battlefield and Terevangian is going to have one of his super low intelligence but high empathy days and all of a sudden decide, oh no, what have I done? And he'll come clean to Dalinar or something like that. Or the flip side, maybe he has another like brilliant day and he realizes, oh, he realizes something we haven't even thought of. He comes up with a, a, a genius new plan. It's like, oh, actually I'm not going to turn because I have a better idea later. I think there's a twist coming with Taravangian. That's my theory. So I don't know that his plan as he thinks of it right now is actually going to happen
0: i I'd get behind that.
3: I gotta say though, this is a little bit
1: going in a different direction. You mentioned before the the goodbye with Yasna and Devani and everybody. And in amongst all that, Gavinor, Elokar's son, is going to battle with them. Like yep. I fully expected him to be there in the farewell scene. Yeah, we're gonna tearful farewell. Oh, Gavinor's staying behind. Bye bye, Uncle Dalinar. Hold on a second. He's going with them to war, which I kind of get. Like, that's the, that's the Lethe way, right? They're a warlike culture. This is normal for their children to go to battle as pages or squires or something like that. So maybe I can give him a pass here on, on how dumb of an idea that is. But then I think about Dalinar knows that Teravangian is about to betray him. Yep, And you're going to take the six-year-old along with you? (laughs) Are you stupid? One, you're walking into what you know is about to be a bloodbath one way or the other, and you're going to take the six-year-old. And two, what if TeraVanjin gets a hold of the six-year-old and now has leverage over you? Like, you're walking next to a guy you know is a manipulator and loves to do that kind of stuff and you're just going to take like the perfect little leverage with, with you dumbest idea yet in the whole colonar battle plans thing that we've seen. this is worse than throwing the thrill in the ocean i was i was i was <laughs> animated about that one and, and i've actually been i've actually been convinced in the, the discord that that was maybe not the worst thing they could have done but this is the worst thing they could do bring gavinor with them but- to
0: battle Okay, but you I, who else ooh. is coming? Yasna. Yasna? No. Well, yes, but who else? You got it in the outline here right below the Gavinor comment. Oh, oh Zeth yeah. Is the body body, coming. Bodyguard one oh one, right? You've you've got the best the best soldier in the entire world coming along with you. Can't you just say, hey Zeth, look after Gav. It's gonna be the safest place you could ever be.
2: Yeah, okay. I I, I was Side note, um, what I wanted to bring up, Elliot, like this is not me disagreeing, this is me saying I agree (laughs) with you, but let's look at this from a different perspective, okay? We just talked about how much plot armor does Navani have, and how dangerous maybe your Thiru or the tower here might might be in, in the coming days, which I never really thought about too much, but what if him going actually saves his life?
1: I don't, I definitely don't disagree with that. In fact, I might fully agree with you that going with them might just be safer. We, we know that the invasion right. is coming, right, for Yurithiru, but they don't. They don't know that's coming. <laughs> to, to them, Yurithiru true. is the fortress. Leave the yeah. child in the fortress, not on the front battle lines where you know you're about to get betrayed. The Zeth argument, hmm, that's an interesting part. Yeah, you could assign Zeth to... To defend him, but but Zeth's gotta defend Dalinar. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm still a little bothered.
2: I I, I want to talk about Zeth for a second because I'm really glad he's here. Um I was kinda of nervous that he would just kinda of be in jail for a long time. The, for the book? <laughs> yeah, like he's just like, oh, we finally have him in our company, you know. And he's just in jail the whole time. And so I was kind of afraid of that happening. Um and it hasn't. He, he's out here, and he's got purpose, you know? He's, uh... In disguise, he, he's, like, kind of hidden amongst the ranks of Taravangian's army. Is that right? Um, which is really... Like, that's quite a big, like, impressive step. Um... I cannot... Ima-
0: just pause on that real quick. I cannot imagine mm-hmm. how they pulled this off, on the short of a light weaving. Because... Zeth is a lot of things. Subtle is not one of them. Right? Mm-hmm. He's the assassin <laughs> in white. He's got night blood who talks to everybody who walks past him, and says, Do you want to destroy some evil today? Oh, by the way, that's you. Um Like, you know, this isn't this is not the stealth mission that, that for for Zeth at no point in his entire career has he been stealth.
1: Plus, isn't there the whole Nausea thing when you walk close to to Nightblood, like yes, anybody walking within you know ten feet of him is gonna be like, oh, what, what the?
2: I didn't even think about that. I will say though, one thing that makes Zeth so cool is that Dalinar. So he's pledged himself to Dalinar, right? Right. Dalinar was like, all right, listen, okay, I need you to protect me in the most effective way. is for you to do go incognito undercover in Terra army, and Zeth is like, All right, cool, and he's like doing it. And it, he couldn't do it without a light weaving, um, multiple actually light weaving himself and then uh, a clone almost of actual Zeth. In his cell, still to make it look like so. So, if anyone's keeping tabs on him, they're like, Oh, Zeth is still captive, um, which is pretty intense. But, um, but Zeth is the coolest. I cannot wait to see how this plays out.
1: <laughs> Wherever Zeth goes, epic things happen. That I've noticed. That is very true. For good or, or ill.
0: All right, it's so final chapter. Do you want to talk about triangulation? Sure.
1: So this this scene was pretty fun. This is a really short chapter. This is like 3 pages, but there was some fun stuff going on in in here. So Navani gets another message from our anonymous source who has secretly snuck her uh, a fabrile or a span read gemstone so that they can talk to her. So we're trying to figure out who this is. This person seems, keeps talking to Navani about Fabrials. Stop capturing Spren or I will stop you, is basically the threat so far. Navani comes up with a clever way to try and figure out who this is. And I, I thought this was pretty, pretty smart. Again, they take the, their span read and they attach a bunch of little devices and and measuring things and and scales to it to use the fact that the distance between span reads affects the usability of those paired fabrials. We talked about this a little bit bit before. The further away you go, the harder it is to move your paired fabrile, which remember that's that's what a span read is. So, they're going to try and measure how difficult the pen is moving, I guess, or how much kind of resistance there is to the movements of the pen to try and estimate how far away this person is, to at least just give them a guess at where this person is coming from. What they find is as soon as the pen starts writing, that the resistance is like nothing. And so, the, the result of that or the guess from that is, well, the person must be in yeah, or c- close by, which that has some implications for who this might be, which we'll have to talk about in a second. I'm curious what you guys think. But then they take another step further, and this is where the actual triangulation comes in. So they have one measurement, a distance. Well, that's not going to tell you a whole lot. So what they do is they pick up all their stuff and they run out of the tower, run run run, 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 run as fast as they can while, while they're trying to make the excuse of, Oh, well let us talk about that for a second. Hold on. And they they run out of the tower, they run across the field and they set up like as far away from the, as they can get. And they take another measurement. So my, my engineering brain is trying to, trying to figure this out. So I'm like, Oh, well, hold on. H- how is this exactly working of what they're, what they're trying to do? So key, another Elliot's engineering elaboration moment here. I don't have a a fancy Microsoft Paint drawing for you guys today, but I I do have a whiteboard. And apologies to those of you who are are just listening to us. You'll have to check out our our YouTube if you want to see a version of this drawing. So I'll try and and describe it as I'm going. But basically what they've done is they're going to try and use their two measurements to locate this person. And if they can get a distance from... The measurement that they are they're getting that they can do this kind of this way the first time they get a measurement
3: they're they're at one location they're up here the span read talks to them they get a distance so let's let's let's
1: for, for argument's sake say that it, it's fairly specific let's say it's like a mile they know it's it's within a mile they can draw a radius of a mile around where they're at. They know that the person is on that circle. But that's that's quite a bit of places. That could be in any direction that, that 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 could be any number of different places.
0: It's a sphere as well. So,
1: it's true. Very, very true. So, what they do is they they run. They start running out of the tower as far away as they can get. They get over to here and they 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 get another measurement, so they draw another circle. Something like that. Apologies for my absolutely terrible circles that are not circles, but you get the idea. Now, what you know is the person has to be on both of these circles. Well, there's two places where those circles intersect. So this is where kind of the the triangulation comes in, is you can start to narrow down fairly quickly where your person would be. Now, if you wanted to perfectly triangulate this, you'd need another measurement. So you could run again and get to another place, hence the triangulation, the three different points. Now, if you measure again, your circle is going to have to intersect one of those places. Now you've narrowed it down. That's that's where the person is. So again, apologies to guys who are just listening to this, and that made absolutely no sense to you. Here's my crazy sketch that probably also doesn't make any sense. Thank you. Yeah, there's my shallow art skills right there. But that, <laughs> yeah. that's how I was thinking about in my head basically what they're they're trying to do here with the, the triangulation and I thought it was pretty cool.
2: I think this has been my favorite engineering talk so far because it actually watching that made a lot of sense and something they didn't entirely get from my read through, my listen through. Um but that that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. That makes perfect sense. It's actually really cool.
1: Now, I think what's actually happening here is their measurements probably aren't actually that accurate. They're not getting, you know, oh, that's uh, 176 meters away from where we are standing right now. So what I I just described probably isn't quite possible from what they're getting, but they're getting a general idea. They're getting a, it's ish this distance. It's about this distance. They can at least get a, they can at least narrow down to this person is here. This person is in Thiru, which right, that's big. That is
0: big. What does it mean?
1: So one of my previous theories was that perhaps this was Renarin that was doing this. I, I the theory they get to the conclusion they get to in this scene is that they think it's a Spren, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I'm willing to ditch the Renarin theory just because I think Renarin is capable of this. And he's also likely in the tower. So that could be evidence that maybe this is Renarin, but the words that are being said don't seem like Renarin. This this doesn't seem like something Renarin would be doing. If Renarin had a problem with what Navani was doing, he'd probably just walk over to her and talk about it. So I'm willing to jump on the sprint train. So now I'm trying to think to check down my list of, well, what, types of sprens or what sprens are out there that might be doing this. I think unmade is a th- one possibility. I think they think about this perhaps as well. They do, yep. I think where I might actually put my vote right now, I wonder if this might be the sibling. Okay. The sibling is the like generic name we've been given for the very powerful spren that I think ran the the tower. It powered the, it's the Eurythir tower. Yeah.
0: In, in lore, it is the spren of the tower. Like the tower, like you you think of like a, a table has a spren. The tower has a spren. And historically that was called the sibling is the spren you're referring to.
1: And we've been told that the sibling is dead. Hence why there's no spren there powering the tower. But I wonder if the spra- if the the sibling is either not dead and is back, or is dead and sort of like Syl, who sort of called out to Cali even when she was dead, is kind of reaching out from her or its deadish state and trying to talk to Navani about this.
2: It, if it- could be, you know. Um, do you have anything, Trevor? If not, I'm going to run run with the ball a little bit.
0: I'll, I'll give it to you here in a second. But my only thought of the sibling, I, I thought about this um, going into Rhythm 04 for my first time. I was thinking of the sibling as dead as the Knight's Radiant are. So the Knight's Radiant die, the tower, the, the spread of the tower dies, the Knight's Radiant return, the spread of the tower returns is how I thought of it.
2: But, but what do you got, Paul? Um so I have a theory which is which is similar to Elliot's, but a, a little bit different. So I, I also initially I was trying to think oh what person is doing this. But with the dialogue that they have, it's way too much of this like impassioned care for spren that's like Either from a fanatical person in our worldly Roshar standards, or a spren. So, what notable spren have we talked about that might be here? And I wouldn't have had a theory about this unless we did... Unless we... er, I wouldn't have had a theory about this unless we talked about this um, in our last episode. About our dark sphere... Okay, And so, I don't think it's really that possible, but my thoughts are somehow, if we have an unmade in this dark sphere, that that is who is contacting them, and that may be how our dark sphere comes into play more. The dark sphere is
0: under Navani's keeping, right? Still? The dark sphere's still here?
2: It was with her like little jeweler friends, right? Yeah. She kind of gave it to them to study, to, to to look more into. Which, I'm not 100% sold that it is an unmade, but it's kind of my biggest thought that either it has an unmade or it can capture an unmade. Um, and I don't know what kind of properties go into that. But something pretty powerful. And so as far as like notable spren here, I can't imagine it being that. Or maybe Renarin's corrupted spren. Is his spren still corrupted? Yes. No. We haven't okay. have we even seen Renarin besides Not in a while, the cellar.
0: No. Like he could, he pulls Kaladin out of the cellar in yeah, no. Hearthstone with Moash, but we haven't seen him since, right?
2: No, I don't think so. We also haven't seen Venli, which I'm very I really want yeah. to see Venli since it is her book and all, but um, we'll get there. Um, I'm confused a
1: little bit by the motive of this person trying to talk to Navani. I, I can understand it being a spren. I can understand it being a spren who's passionate about not hurting other spren. But why reach out to Navani in this manner? If it's an unmade why doesn't that unmade just come crashing into town and stop her? Right. Like, wh- why the warning? In this,
2: uh, trapped in this sphere. But, Maybe. But it still doesn't make sense how he could u- operate a... What if they fight... Fu- uh, I don't know. Well, okay, if you th- think about... I'm about to reinforce your
0: theory here, Paul. How do reads work?
2: I was going to say a gemstone, right? What if this... But what's the, in the what gemstone? If a spren. There you go. Okay. I was going to say, what if these little, they're her assistants that she gave to this were like, hmm, let's test this out and put it on a span read. You know? So, right. So, all,
0: if it really is a Spren talking to Navani, the Spren doesn't even need the other side of the span read. The Spren just needs to talk to that Spren in the gemstone and say, hey, move like this like they can hijack, like Spren can, if a Spren has mm-hmm. that power, they can just hijack the span read yeah. and pretend to have the other side. Right.
3: Yeah.
1: Which could even explain the description of the hard to read script. Yeah. Uh, I, when we first saw it, the, the writing was described as like really poor handwriting or even like almost impossible to read, which I was trying to take that and run with that. Well, maybe it's a man that's writing who just barely knows how to write. Cause usually mm-hmm. it's a woman's job. But that would also be plausible of the – it's a spren who's not even writing. They're just influencing the spren in the span read to try and make the movements to draw the letters. Right. But I'm still back to the why negotiation. Why is this person talking to Navani in this way and saying, hey, you need to stop this, and if you don't stop – I'm going to come stop you. If it's an unmade under the control of odium, why the warning? Why not just come stop her? Yeah. And so it seems like it's a force that wants to be friends, but is trying to say, hey, you need to do this. Don't make me come attack you or force you to stop. That, that, Motive doesn't seem to match any of our known entities, except for maybe Sha Not actually, Jeanne. Not is an unmade who seems to be friendly-ish towards our heroes, so maybe she could be doing this of saying, "Hey, don't make me come stop you," sort of thing.
2: I, I, I agree. I wasn't thinking that this may be Jeanne. Not, but I think Jeanne. Not showed that that's very possible. Uh, with our unmo unmade um that there's like potential for reasoning, I guess not that they're very reasonable, but that there's potential for reasoning um with our our
3: heroes or things um I have one other potential name to put on the list, and it's a big one what if it could be cultivation? Ooh.
1: And I I say this because so far in the story, and Navani herself knows this, and she kind of uses this in, in the discussion. They've justified the use of Fabrials, the imprisoning of the Spren, because they are using lower level spren. They're not using the higher spren like honor spren or cryptics that are people equivalents. They're using what they think are animal equivalents. Right. She even describes as it's no different than me hooking up a chull to a cart to pull the to pull the wagon. And this person on the other end makes it very clear no I still have a problem with you doing that and makes a few references to nature and says things like, you're trapping nature itself. That seems like it might be something cultivation would say. We, we, it seems like cultivation, cultivation is still like Mother Earth in my,
0: my, oh, yeah. my head. 100%. Same with me.
1: And I, I feel like we don't know a ton about cultivation yet, but she, she's still the, I think we know that she's involved with growth, and change and things like that. But it seems like the, the nature or the, the flora and fauna of Roshar seem to be things that align with cultivation. And so she seems like an entity that might be concerned or bothered with the enslavement of the nature or like the animal levels. Whereas people might justify that cultivation might have a problem with that. So I think I'm going to throw cultivation on the suspect list
2: as well. I really like that. Mm. One thing I want to add, and this is just my personal favorite aspect of cultivation that we've kind of seen, is not just like having things like grow, but specifically like pruning. Uh, I think we Mm. saw it with Dalinar um, and how she like had to take things in order for him to grow and just like the like practical application. Uh, I feel like I know awkward... Like, for no real serious reason, I feel like I know way too much about how pruning works in gardening, but you cut off a lot (laughs) of, like... Like, like with rose bushes, like, you cut a lot of buds off. Like, if you have ten budding roses, you're going to cut a lot of those off because the plant cannot support ten roses. So you're not going to have any pretty roses. So you cut a bunch of them, so the ones you do have... Are able to blossom like fully to like to full effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's a beautiful th- like picture in general. Um, and, and I've kind of pictured cultivation in that, and I think that's really cool. As far as uh cultivation in the context of is she here communicating through span read to our characters, I I would have never thrown her on this list. Um, but I would honestly be kind of excited if it was, but I don't I don't think so. I don't think I've seen other evidence that she's here at the tower at all. So I was trying to think of what kind of notable things might be at our tower. Um, and I feel like she would have very different ways of communicating. In my head, a lot of my motivation for saying it was this dark sphere or whatever might be in it that we've theorized is that is no other way to communicate somehow. Like, this was, like, kind of last-ditch effort was, like, I'm going to grab a hold of the Span Raid because um, there's no way for me to communicate with the outside world or something. I have no idea, no fur- no further backings on that. Uh, but you mentioned, we, we talked about it a little bit last episode, about it being an unmade. And then I was like, wait, this might be the sp- Brent. I was trying to figure out who sprint is there Like what the heck was going on Um,
3: Still I'm not certain But I think that would be kind of fascinating If it were the case Yeah good stuff Anything
0: else before I talk about our Epigraphs for five minutes
2: Lore's yours Okay
0: Have you guys noticed the epigraphs up until t- chapter 28 I'm going to read them from 20 to 28, and we will discuss. <clears throat> Dear Wanderer, I did receive your latest communication. Please forgive my formality on my part, as we have not met in person. I feel new to this role, despite my years of holding it. You will admit to my relative youth, I think. I have been fascinated to discover how much you've accomplished on Scadriel without me noticing your presence. How is that you hide from shards so well? I have reached out to others as you requested, and you have received a variety of responses. And I have received a variety of responses. Much as you indicate there is a division among other shards, I would not have anticipated. Endowment, at least, responded to my overtures, though I have not been able to locate Invention, again following our initial contact. Whimsy was not terribly useful, and Mercy worries me. I do not... I do think that Valor is reasonable, and suggest you approach her again. It has been too long, in her estimation, since your late last conversation. The death of both devotion and dominion troubled me greatly, as I had not realized this immense power was held. we held was something that could be broken in such a way. On my world, the power always gathered and sought a new vessel. That said, the most worrying thing I discovered in this was the wound upon the spiritual realm where Ambition, Mercy, and Odium clashed, and Ambition was destroyed. The effects on the planet's threnody have been disturbing. Other shards I cannot, I cannot identify, and are hidden to me. I fear that their influence encroaches upon my world, yet I am locked into a strange inability because of the opposed powers I hold." All right. So, what is this?
3: Um, Seems to be a,
0: a shard. This is our rhythm of war letter, right? We've had one in the way of kings. I read all of these in Cosmere One Hundred One before uh, um, uh, before rhythm of war, and here's our <laughs> here's our rhythm of war letter.
2: What did we just learn? We. Learned about Odium killing another shard. I my I my assumption is that this is a letter like to Hoid, like a response to Hoid, right? Kay. Like he kind of yep. mentioned. Um, this is a letter
0: from the shard holder, the shard vessel on Scadrial to Hoid, and he name drops four shards we've not seen before. Four. Mm-hmm. I heard Whimsy, which I thought was fun. (laughs) Invention, Whimsy, Mercy, and Valor.
2: And those are really cool ones. I like them.
0: You guys, with everything you have read now, are missing only three shards. Whichever one this guy or girl is holding. And two more right
1: I am almost surprised yes. it's it's that many. I feel like when we listed them off before, we got up to like yeah, 11 or 12 or something like that. I guess we got up to like 10-ish. So yeah, this gets us pretty close. Don't oh. to 16 total, right? 16 total.
2: I I'm trying to 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 get things straight. Trevor, don't I know one more? You do. Okay. I I didn't remember for sure if that was counted or if we all knew about it. I have not counted yours. Okay.
0: Uh, Like the one on Skadriel that he's... Yeah. Yeah. Or she.
1: So the part of this, I start to get confused fast when we start to talk about, you know, this level of of stuff at like shards and dragons and wit and hoid and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. (laughs) Mm mm-hmm. But the, there's part of this that intrigues me, and I'm sure we need to keep reading to get more of this letter, right? Yeah, but, there, uh, there's
0: plenty more of the letter to read.
1: That the very last bit of this is, is confusing and, and interesting. I fear that their influence encroaches upon my world, yet I am locked into a strange inability because of the opposed powers I hold. Maybe that would make more sense if I knew a little bit more about this shard, but... That seems
3: weird. Opposed powers within one shard. No idea what that means. I'm not going to answer it for you.
2: Oh, this this is a stretch and probably not applicable. But remember our... I don't know if I can, how much of this I can actually say. You need to be careful. (laughs) Because it was, it was part of our, it's one of the like secret project. Oh. We had a prominent theory.
0: Yeah. Okay. You can, you can secret project spoiler and then we can talk about it. Okay. To avoid spoilers for
3: secret project three, please skip to an hour, 17 minutes and 18 seconds. um we three right in secret the, project
2: 3 we're talking yes, about yes i i didn't read any of the others actually at okay. least right now yep um secret project 3 yumi and the night something or other, whatever it was t- 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 doesn't matter we had kind of a theory that that was a shard that was like split in two or we were seeing like two halves of it or something kind of this like daytime world and this nighttime world thing mm-hmm. there was kind of this Theory about that, and maybe they would connect at the end or something like that. That would be the whole premise. And so, in my head, that's an example which we've only theorized that that may be the case. And so, that if so, that would make sense on like how one shard of Eternalsium could conflict with itself. I guess. Um, Yeah, yeah. and I never thought we'd be referencing that. (laughs) And I don't. I. I like seriously. I don't think. That is a connection being made here. But that's where my mind went. And I got kind of excited about it. No, I like that.
1: I didn't even think of that. That's a great idea there.
2: I remember I was super impressed that we y'all even ended. I think it was mostly Elliot speculating with Ranks. I think it was mostly Ranks. Yeah, he had some good uh, ideas there. Yeah, it it was between y'all. And I was super impressed but that was that was something I thought was really, really cool. Um, that concept or that idea. And so uh Yeah.
0: Alright. We're closing our secret project spoiler section. Okay. When we read this, as a, as a fandom, that, that night it came out and people got to got this far, chapter twenty-eight or whatever, in the first night, any name drops for shards in one epigraph were like what we were all freaking out so that mm-hmm. i i totally forgot that we were going to be talking about this tonight so i just wanted to uh to point this out because name dropping four shards at one time was a little bit of uh a, a mind blow for us
2: yeah did we don't even know where these shards like belong to though right
0: nothing we don't know vessels we don't know time frames we don't even know if they still like exist at this point like because i would
2: like to meet whimsy that sounds fun
0: yes uh mercy uh sounds kind of terrifying what if it's like put you out of your misery type of shard (laughs) oh
2: Yeah. I was literally thinking, like, honestly, all of those sounded really fun. Um I don't <laughs> No. In my head in my head I was like Whimsy, Valor, Mercy, like sounds sounds like a fun crew we've uh-huh. got here. You know? Sorry to what was the other one? Uh in Invin- Invention. Invention, Invention seems cool. fine. Very cool. The other ones sound sounded more interesting to me. I was like, whoa, super no, cool. No no but no. You're right. You're you're very Whim- right, Trevor. They're probably Whim- horrifying.
0: Whimsy is also terrifying. If you think about Shard level of investiture <laughs> and Whimsy, like <laughs> No la da 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 like <laughs> give sill yeah. on on one of her like kind of like whimsical days a full shard, and tell her to make decisions about the Cosmere. Like, dude, yeah,
2: <laughs> sounds fun. I love so. What could, what could go wrong? Who?
0: Anyway, I just wanted to uh, zoom out on the on the Cosmere implications that we just got for that. So, uh, any closing thoughts for this episode?
2: I. This would be way too big of a rabbit trail to to open now. But I have to mention it. Um my whenever you mentioned Mercy, my thought was big Tolkien nerd here, uh, moment. My thoughts were to Nienna, who okay. is one of the Valar of basically Mercy or kind of sorrow and she's kind of like mournfully like merciful of everyone. Um and that that was kind of the impression I had. And I think Nienna is I one of my favorites and least favorite of those. does it doesn't actually matter too much, but very and, cool.
0: And I certainly think that is the intention of the shard. Mm-hmm. Is the is the nice, you know, like the the goddess of mercy or whatever and you, you pray to mm-hmm. the goddess of mercy put that in the wrong vessel though. Mhm. Ooh.
2: Yeah, like like it depends because we've we've seen a lot of different viewpoints, right? Like I feel like it's like the Dalinar versus like TeraVanjin kind of thing of like, TeraVanjin would be like here is mercy, death <laughs> <laughs> like congrats, this is mercy and then, you know, like yeah, exactly exactly that
0: alright let's keep reading if you guys don't have anything, thanks for joining me
1: later
2: bye bye